Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, everything about God is good. Uh, in the Genesis account, we read that everything God created is good. And good in that context means that it is uh, suited and serves it in its intended purpose. Uh, we are exhorted in the Psalms to praise God because he is good. And in that context, it speaks to the integrity of God's character and to his everlasting faithfulness. Uh, as is often said, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And because God is good, he has redeemed us by the blood of Christ Jesus. Because God is good, he enables us to be better than we were. And because God is good, he allows us to be stewards of his grace and servants in his kingdom. God has blessed us because he is good. Uh, the psalmist declares in Psalm 19, verse 9, uh, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And so any way you approach it and any way you look at it, God is good. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again to John chapter 14, to the text that was read into our hearing by my big brother. I call brother Floyd my, my big brother. I just appreciate him, uh, thankful for uh, the reading this morning. Uh, we want to read again there verse number six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Based on the words he recorded in John 14 by the uh, beloved apostle, we want to use this morning as a subject, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you will recall that for the months of May and June, we are using as a sub-theme uh, the I Ams of Jesus. Uh, now, if you are keeping track, uh, you will appreciate that we have one more I Am, uh, but there are no more Sundays in the month of June after today. Uh, you will recall that earlier this month, we were uh, in California, and so that has put us just a month back. Uh, so even next Sunday, we'll, we'll cover the last I am that John has in uh, his account of the gospel. But as we consider the text that we have before us here in John chapter 14, bear in mind that chapter 14 is not the beginning of a new event. It is a continuation of things that happened uh, on what we typically call uh, the night of the Last Supper. Uh, have you ever heard of a, an event being described as a night to remember? Uh, 
an event can stand out uh, in our memory for different reasons. Uh, things can stand out in our minds because they carry a positive connotation. Uh, the achieving of a major goal, the realization of a dream or uh, some other positive event stands out in our minds because it evokes happiness or satisfaction. I would dare say that all of us can remember uh, a high school or college graduation, even if it was some years ago. Uh, some of us, our photos of graduation, uh, they were still typically using black and white film, uh, but we still remember that day uh, because of its significance. You know, I, I can remember with, with each of our three children, not only the date that they were born, but I can remember the day of the week uh, or what time it was and even the weather outside uh, on that particular day. At the other end of the spectrum, uh, an event may stand out in our minds because it was tragic or traumatizing. I dare say that just by uh, uh, the picture appearing, uh, that many of us are aware that that's from what we call 9-11, September 1, 2001. And, and I remember that day very clearly, not just the initial news broadcast uh, of what was happening, but I remember throughout the day where I was as the updates came uh, uh, with the news. Now, I submit to you that our position in time can change how we view the same event. Uh, 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 there's an event that initially we may have seen it as traumatizing, but, but down the road, we actually benefit in, in retrospect from what we went through. And if ever there was a lives, uh, 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 there was in the lives of the apostles, uh, a night to be remembered, this would have been it. But I submit to you that how they saw this night would depend on their position in time. See, in real time, uh, uh, and, and even for some time after that, the apostles would have defined this night as confusing, disheartening, sad, troubling, and even heartbreaking. When we look at the things that happened on this night, John tells us that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And this wasn't just a lesson in humility. I, I submit to you that it would have been a very humbling experience to have the master lower himself to do a job that was typically held for the lowest of slaves uh, uh, and the disciples uh, uh, not willing uh, uh, to do so. Jesus announced that he would be betrayed. And this would have been troubling on a number of levels. See, the apostles at this point neither understood the nature or the person of the betrayal. Can you imagine Jesus saying, one of you is going to betray me? Now, if I'm in the group, there's the possibility that that's me. Well, well, that's got to be very disconcerting. I, I mean, you're my master. I love you. I wouldn't do that kind of thing to you. And, and, and heaven only knows in what way he's talking about uh, uh, being betrayed. And on top of this, 
Jesus's distress would have been very visible. You ever know somebody that they just kind of the same way all the time? I, I mean, they may not get too high, but, but they don't get too low. And, and you've never seen them visibly upset. And can you imagine, here it is, they've been with Jesus during his personal ministry. And here Jesus is uh, uh, distressed. Well, Lord, what's going on? Why are you feeling the way that you are feeling? And then Jesus declares that he's leaving. And not only is he leaving, but the disciples at this time can't go with him. Uh, you, you ever have somebody, you know, say, I'm leaving? And, and it's somebody, you know, that you have some attachment to. Uh, uh, there's a certain amount uh, 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 of distress in having somebody that you care for leave. Uh, uh, you know, if you ever watch children when their parents leave, you know, one of the things children want to do, they want to go with the parent. I don't even know where you're going. Can I go? Because it's about the relationship that we share. Jesus foretold Peter's denial. And not only, Peter, will you deny me one time, but you're going to declare three times that you don't even know me. There has to be something going on uh, in the minds and hearts uh, uh, of the disciples. Jesus declared Satan's desire. Now that's over in Luke, Luke 22, verse 31. Uh, but you remember Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan have desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. Now, when we read the English, we, we may miss that in the original language, what he really said is that Satan desires to have you all. Not just you, Peter, but all of you. Now, Peter, I'm talking to you, and I said your name, and you know how Satan works. If, if I'm going to knock down dominoes, you know, if you knock down the right one, you can just get some others as collateral damage. But Satan wants all of you. I'm glad Jesus didn't leave it there. I, I, I'm glad he said, but I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Well, Lord, I'm glad you're praying for me, but... I, you know, it's just kind of disturbing to think that Satan has called me or identified me individually as somebody that's going to be a target of his attacks. And then finally there, Jesus foretold that all the apostles would forsake him. And you remember, they, they denied that. We will die with you before we run off and leave you. That is a night to remember. Man, there was sure enough some stuff going on and not from a positive uh, perspective. But I would venture that sometime later with the benefit of retrospect and clarity and maturity, that they came to see these events as things that happened according to the determined uh, and or permissive will of God in the unfolding of his plan. See, their position in time allowed them to see this thing differently. Oh, yeah, it was tough when we were going through it. 
You know, when Jesus says, one of you shall betray me, when he says that all of you will run off and leave me, uh, 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 when he says that Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat, that was troubling. I, I dare say that we've all been through some events in our living that was troubling in real time. But, but when you can look back on it, you actually learn something from what happened. God actually blessed your living in a way that you didn't see uh, in real time. Well, the words of Jesus here in, in John chapter 14 are spoken to address the sadness and trauma uh, that his disciples are experiencing on this night to remember. And I know the mood on that night was somber because Jesus would not have said, let not your heart be troubled, if in fact they were not troubled. You know, you don't try to comfort somebody who's not in need of comfort. You know, you come to me, Brother Cook is gonna be all right. Man, what you talking about? <laughs> Everything is good right now. I mean, I, I know we are gonna go through some things down the road, but, but right now I, I'm in good spirits. Don't, don't come rain on my parade. Everything is good right now. Jesus offers them the assurance that in spite of what they are going through at the moment, things are going according to plan and God is in control. And, and you know, I think we need that assurance from time to time. Uh, the assurance that uh, 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 what I'm feeling right now uh, notwithstanding, and despite how things may look, that God is in control. Uh, you know, sometime when I read, uh, you know, I, 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 for the most part, quit watching the news, but I, I'll read the news. Uh, but you know, when I read the news, sometimes I need to remember, you know what, in spite of what's going on, God is in control and he has a plan. In spite of whoever might be in favor of whatever, God is in control and he has a plan. In spite of whoever might be, you know, in the public eye right now or, or, or whoever may be serving in what position, God is in control and he has a plan. Well, when we look at John chapter 14, Jesus makes a statement in verse number four. He says, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas raises an objection to the statement that Jesus made. And for all that we call him doubting Thomas, I believe Thomas asked the question that everybody else was hoping somebody would ask. You know, everything that said, we don't understand uh, uh, at the initial saying, and, and sometimes I, I wanna ask a question, but I hope it's not just me that didn't get it. And somebody else will ask a question and you think, and you know what, I'm glad they asked because I want to know the very same thing myself. Well, Doubting Thomas says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? And even if Thomas should have known, I'm glad Thomas spoke up, said, wait a minute, there, there are just some things that have gotten by me. Now, maybe I should know this, but I need some clarity on what you just said. So Jesus answers Thomas' objection in, in verses six and seven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him 
and have seen him. Now, if I had been there, I, you know, if I had had uh, the courage that Thomas had, I, I would have said, okay, Lord, help me out. Now, now maybe I'm slow on the uptake, but, but, but I still need you to uh, 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 expand on what it is you just said. And while we're going to give consideration to each of these things, the way, the truth, and the life separately, if we could sum up what Jesus said, his reply declares that he is the way to the Father because he is the truth about the Father and the very life of the Father. Now, before we examine uh, uh, Jesus's declaration here in, in John chapter 14, I, I feel compelled to say something uh, uh, about what many would call the narrowness uh, of Jesus's words. When Jesus says, I am the way, the, the pronoun I is emphatic there. And, and what that means is Jesus could have said, I and no other am the way. I, I want y'all to understand, I'm talking about just me. Now, now, there might be others, but I am the way. Now, it has been said in the Church of Christ that we are narrow in our theology and in our thinking. Well, if that be so, guess who we get it from? See, our master said, I am the way. There are other religious leaders, but I am the way. And, and you know, to say that there is one church is consistent with saying there is one Lord, one God, one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. There may be uh, uh, many religious systems, but Jesus says, I am the way. Only faith in Jesus profits. Jesus says, I am the truth. There, there may be many religious leaders, but only Jesus has been appointed by the Father. Jesus says, I am the life. That there may be many religious doctrines, but only the words of Jesus lead to eternal life. So in verse six there, Jesus says, I am the way. And when Jesus says he is the way, Jesus is the way to God. Now consider the words of Jesus in the context of the event in which they were spoken. If the disciples had looked beyond their own sphere of circumstance, and you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes it's hard to appreciate that, that I only take up one little speck in the grand scheme of things, that there are billions of people in this world, and, and that my life is really just one little piece of an entire world that's going on all around me, and for the most part, I have no idea what's going on with other people. But if the disciples had looked beyond their own sphere of circumstance and, and considered the big picture, they would have appreciated that uh, uh, this was about more than them. This was about the salvation of the entire world. The words of Jesus assert uh, 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 more than the fact that he makes known the way. When, when Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying that me, in my person, that, that I am uh, uh, the way. You remember the words of Peter in Acts 4, verse 12, he said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the way. But I want us to look at this statement in, in, in another application. 
when you look at what's going on here uh, in John, and like I say, this really began before John chapter 14, adversity challenges our faith. If you wanna know what we believe and how committed we are to it, watch what we do when we're con uh, confronted with uh, adversity. Now, I, I believe to a person, every one of us in here would acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. But what if we lived in the days of the first century when, when that was a life or death proposition? Uh, uh, when acknowledging that Jesus would Lord could have you crucified or burned at a stake or, or imprisoned. Now, if you really wanna know what I believe and how committed I am to it, watch what happens when adversity comes along. The disciples experienced adversity on this night. And, and you know, adversity has this way of influencing us to consider other alternatives. Now, you remember in Proverbs 16, verse 25, that Solomon tells us there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, when adversity hits us, sometimes we try to think of other ways of doing things. You know, I'm listening to Brother Demetrius here uh, presiding over uh, uh, the offering. And you know, we ought to give God of the first fruits. And the Jews gave God 10%. Now, that's what they gave God in an inferior covenant. God gives us better than he gave the Jewish nation. Now, I just think if they could do 10% under an inferior covenant, that we ought to be do more than 10% under a better covenant. You know, if you're renting a place, uh, the landlord doesn't come in and make improvements and then drop the rent. You know, he making them improvements so he can raise it. You're going to be paying more because this is a better place now. Well, if God gives us better in Christ Jesus than they had under the law, I just think we ought to do better than they did. Now, now you might not agree with me. That's just where I am. I think we ought to do better than they did. But have you ever had, you know how economics can be and finances can be sometimes. You know, the paycheck can add up to this, but the bills and all the other stuff I got going on can add up to that. Now, I know when we sitting in Bible class, we say God's share comes off the top. That's what we say when we are in, in, in polite company. But when you home doing your personal finances, sometimes God part don't come off the top because I've been doing the math and what I need to go out is already more than what I have coming in. And, and so you know what, we'll start rationalizing in our mind. Well, well, Lord, I'm gonna be a little short this month, but I'm gonna make it up down the road. There's a way that seems right to a man. See, adversity will move us to consider some other alternatives. But what Jesus is saying, and what we have to remember as we go through life, that the goal, the objective, the, the prime directive, the, the big picture is about getting to heaven. And we cannot get to heaven with God, without God, and we cannot get to God without Jesus. Now, the word to the disciples was, I know you're troubled by what I've said and, and what is going to happen, but I am the way. You're gonna consider some other alternatives, but remember, I am the way. 
it needs to happen just the way that I said it was going to happen. It, you might think there's another way to do this, but I am the way. That there is no other path or no other option for success. And in our own living, we will face adversity. But you know, God has laid out in his word how we are to deal with adversity. Do you remember the words of the apostle, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Now that's God's way. So, so if I start worrying, I'm already out of step with what God says. But, but I live in the real world just like you do. Sometimes stuff can weigh on your mind. Well, I'm not saying you can't have cares and concern. What I'm saying is don't worry. Don't fret. Don't, don't, don't act like uh, uh, you, you know, all is lost and you have no hope. God says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, God says, I've already given you the way to deal with adversity. Number one, don't fret. Now, don't walk around singing gloom and doom. Remember, I am the way. Now, here's the way you deal with that. Rather than fret about it, bring it to me in prayer. You know, that's why we ought to be a people of prayer. Man, with the stuff that's going on in our world, first order business ought to be take it to the Father in prayer. And remember, we never go to God in prayer to give God information. God knows what, but better than we do what was going on before we ever prayed about it. But, but prayer is me demonstrating my faith in you, Lord, uh, uh, to handle this according to your will. So when we look at what Jesus said, the, the great chasm between us and home, but between us and rest, it is not more money. It is not a better job. It's not another town. It's not more success. It is not a better relationship. It's not a better you fill in the blank. Jesus said, I am the way. Don't we think in life sometimes, if I could just get this thing straight, then everything else would be all right? Jesus says, I am the way. If you get your relationship right with me, all that other stuff will become secondary. Now, now you're going to have ups and downs in your living. I, I don't care which way you go about it. That's just the nature of life. But I am the way. Not only does Jesus declare that he is the way, but he also says, I am the truth. And, and when he says, I am the truth, Jesus is the truth of God. Someone once observed that Jesus is God's gracious self-disclosure of himself. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. See, this is why Jesus said what he said here in verse 7 and verse 9. In verse 7, he said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And then in verse 9, he, he says, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? I, I, I know I'm not the only one in here that has had somebody say to you, you just like your daddy. You look like your daddy. In fact, down south, they say, look like your daddy spit on the ground. 
you just like your father. You know, a lot of time that's your mother saying it to you when daddy did something she ain't too happy about. <laughs> just like your father. Well, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Yeah, you remember that song, Jesus is love? Well, God is love. When you look at Jesus, self-sacrificing, when you see that in Jesus, Jesus just saying, I'm just like my daddy. Well, when you see grace and mercy in Jesus, Jesus says, see, I'm just like my daddy. When, when Jesus said to them, if you've known me, if you've watched me, well, you what? I'm patient, I, I'm kind, I, I'm forgiving. And when you see those things in me, you've seen the Father. I am God in the flesh. He is the truth, the embodiment of all that is necessary for us to know to reach heaven. He is the word, the personification of all saving truth. You remember John said, John 1 verse 14, the word was made flesh. You wanna see God, look at Jesus. Do you know that's what we're seeing when we read about Jesus in the gospel accounts? We're seeing how God in the flesh conducted himself. This isn't just for our reading. This is God saying, if you wanna be like me, look at Jesus and imitate him. And because Jesus is the truth, it is not possible to see the father, see, know the father. I don't mean see with your eyes, you know, see him. And you know, we say sometimes you see what I'm saying. Well, now, if we can ever see the words coming out of your mouth, then you need a bottle of Listerine. You, you know what we mean. Do you understand what it is I'm telling you? It's not possible to see the father except as he has been revealed by the son. In Colossians 2, 3, Paul says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, I, I'm grabbing a verse out of a bigger context that Paul made there. But he said, when, when, when you consider Jesus, when you look at Jesus, when you start to understand Jesus, then you start to understand God. And then he explains why that's true. Because in verse, uh, Colossians 2, verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, if you know me, you know the Father. Philip, have you been around me all this time? I mean, we've been through some stuff together. And you still don't know? And let me tell you, nothing helps you get to know somebody like living with them. You know, if all you do is know somebody from seeing them at the church building, you don't really know them yet. Because I believe most of us know how to act accordingly in the confines of this building. But, but if you want to know who I am, come, come over to where I live. Watch me when, when, I, when, when I don't think anybody else is watching. Watch me when my reputation as the preacher is not on the line. Then you'll find out who I really am. If you want to find out who somebody is, talk to who they live with. Now, don't talk to them while they're mad. But talk to the folk they live with. The folk that live with you know who you really are. Well, Jesus says, you want to know the Father? Well, if you know me, you know the Father. I am the truth of God. And then he says, third there, I am the life. Jesus is the life from God. Now, we visited this um, 
uh, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life back in John chapter 11, but Jesus is the source and preserver of life and the one in whom alone is eternal life. You remember John 10 verse 10, he said, the thief cometh not but to, uh, to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I'm the source of life. Whether you're talking about this life or, or eternal life, you want to do better in this life, you need me. You want eternal life, you need me because I am life. Life starts with me. John 11, 25, 26, he, he tells uh, Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. See, because I'm life, it, it starts with me. And, and life as received from the Lord is much more than mere existence. You know, it's sad, but sometimes people just exist. I, I get up in the morning, I go to work, I put in my time, I come home and, and, and then tomorrow I start the same cycle all over again. Jesus said, you know what, you, you want more than just a rut. You, you, you want more than just a routine that you go through. You, you want purpose to your living. You, you want joy in your living. Jesus said, then you need me. See, because in Christ Jesus, we find both purpose and joy in our living. I'm so glad Jesus is Lord, because if all we had is what we have without Jesus, we might as well dig a hole and jump in and cover ourselves. You know, if all we could rely on is today's politicians, and I don't care what your political affiliation is, if that's all we had to rely on, heaven help us, because we'd sure enough be in bad shape. If all we had to rely on was one another, Look, I can't help myself and all my stuff. How am I gonna help you with your stuff? Jesus said, but I'll give you purpose and joy. I'll give you reason to get up in the morning when even your bills won't get you up. You know, some mornings your bills will tell you, you better get up out of here. <laughs> or they gonna come back and take this car back or you'll be sleeping outside or your stomach could be a little empty. Your bills will make you get up and go to the job. But you know, sometimes stuff can be, I mean, you can be going through it so much till you know what, I, that, that just is what it is. Jesus said, but I'll give you purpose. You'll get up and you won't even be worried about bills. Not even thinking about finance. You'll get up because I have called you to something much higher than the material things of this world. In Christ Jesus, we have life eternal. That would have been a night to remember. With all the things that Jesus told them and all that was going on, I mean, you talking about something that would have traumatized you. But I ventured down the road, they were able to look at that and talk about what God had brought them through. Yeah, you ever have that conversation? You know, that's a comforting conversation sometimes. When you look back and just think about what God has brought you through, I mean, he brought, brought us through the passing of relatives. He's brought us through hospital stays. He's brought us through 
bouts with wayward children, uh, 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 recalcitrant spouse. I mean, God had just brought us through some things. And, it, and mind you, it wasn't funny when you were going through it. It's probably not funny now. But you can look back on it and say, not only did God bring me through, but he increased my faith because he brought me through. I'm better suited to bear witness and to serve in his kingdom because of what he brought me through. That's what the disciples were experiencing that night. See, you don't appreciate it right now, but when you preach Jesus down the road and you preach talking about a, a savior, look, when, when you call Jesus savior, that's a different savior when you've been saved. See, sometimes people just talk about things from a, a, a theoretical standpoint. Jesus said, but I want you to be able to talk about this from experience. I want you to be able to bear witness because you've been through the fire and, and I brought you through. Uh, you know, we ever listen to uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talk about God is a deliverer? That's a different testimony. Look, we went in the furnace and he brought us out without the smell of smoke or anything. He's sure enough a deliverer. See, if you haven't been through much, then you don't have much of a testimony. Now, I ain't saying going out and make trouble for yourself. You know, trouble have this way of finding you. You just keep on living. Some adversity will come your way. But remember, wherever you are, whatever you go through, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If we want to approach God, be reconciled to him, be adopted by him into his spiritual family, become members of the Lord's church, then God declares that number one, we need to hear the good news of the gospel message, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, but raised the third day for our justification. Romans 10, 17 declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to believe that gospel message. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John 8, verse 24, Jesus says, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Because Jesus is Lord, we must be willing to repent uh, of sin, to turn from living life after our own way and living life according to God's way. In Acts 17, 30, uh, 31, it is declared that at the times of this ignorance, God winked. But now he commands that all men everywhere repent, for he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has appointed. Now, the man being Christ Jesus, we're going to be judged by Jesus. No wonder Jesus says, I am the way. Because if you don't obey me now, you're going to stand before me at the judgment. We must make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus declares that whosoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Then we must be baptized in water because it is God's way. In Acts chapter 2, when the gospel message was first preached, the question was asked in context, what do we need to do? to make matters right with God. 
In Acts 2.38, Peter answered, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus, and dwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. And thereafter, he declares that we walk worthy, that we live lives in a manner consistent with being called a child of God, uh, Ephesians 4.1. Uh, you know, if you were raised in a proper house, you, you would get that pep talk before you went out in public. You know, mom would tell you when we get out, now don't you embarrass me, because if you embarrass me, I'm going to embarrass you. You know what mom was telling you? Walk worthy of being my child. God is telling us walk worthy of being his children. If you're here this morning or if you're listening on Zoom, if you're listening on Zoom, we bid you to reach out to uh, our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net. Uh, make your request known and provision will be made to baptize you into Christ Jesus. If you're here in our audience, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs> 